0: listening to Prime Venture Partner Podcast, where we bring you impactful moments from the lives of entrepreneurs, new ACXs and investors who are playing a key role in building digital India.
1: This is Sripati Acharya, Managing Partner at Prime Venture Partners. Welcome to the podcast series by Prime Ventures. Prime is an early stage VC fund investing in technology and product focused businesses. Today, we have with us Prasad, Co-Founder and CEO of Mfine Welcome Prasad.
0: Hi Sripati, thank you for having me here. So
1: uh, let me just get right into it and given your deep experience in healthcare, ask you what are some of the top challenges in healthcare in India today?
0: I think most of the metrics people know of healthcare system in India, if I have to describe it, very few doctors, one specialist doctor for 5,000 people, 75% of the doctor actually are in the reach of 25% of the geography if you look at these problems, like also number of doctors added are very, very small number, just 600 cardiologists added over the last two decades for a people of 1.3 billion population in the country. So the problem is, can we really summarize saying that, you know, we just don't have easy access to healthcare at all in the, in the country. That's a very broad problem statement for India. Yeah. Is this something which
1: is unique to India? This when 600 cardiologists being added and I don't even know how many are actually getting out of the system through retirement or whatever. So it's that's not even absolute number. So is that something which is unique to India or has been a phase other places as well?
0: We have seen from a WHO standards, et cetera, we are far below in terms of number of doctors needed. Hundreds of thousands and if not, uh, you know, a bit over million doctors are needed over just next five years. If you really go by developed countries, in that sense, unique to India in terms of the population and the size and the diversity and the geographical spread of India. Similar problems exist in uh, parts of China, parts of Southeast Asia as well. But with the sheer size of the problem, I think India is very, very unique and uh, so far not really addressed yet.
1: So clearly something which appears tech would be well positioned to address. So uh, how has the health tech landscape evolved over the last five to seven years in India?
0: Yeah, just a disclaimer. It's just my point of view. <laughs> I, I think... What uh, I have seen from health tech uh, evolution uh, in India is that it's somewhat driven by similar approaches what probably drove e-commerce in India or um, commerce in general in India over internet. It's mostly people have limited themselves, even though they're health tech companies, they have limited themselves to peripheries of healthcare delivery. Peripheries, I mean you probably can book an appointment with the doctor, but what happens between the doctor and the patient is not really solved. Or you can probably deliver a medicine just like an e-commerce package, but whether that medicine is the right thing for the patient is not really addressed. So the core of healthcare delivery is not yet addressed by tech. Uh, which we have seen uh, when we are starting, fine in some other countries already addressed, but in India, healthcare has been largely limited to peripheries of workflows, administrative workflows, or some commerce workflows, etc.
1: And we have, however, seen startups uh, which have established companies trying to do tele, what we would call teleconsult. And how has that evolved?
0: I think our learning was that when we studied the market, healthcare is a sector where it needs. As a basis of every interaction, uh, huge amounts of trust uh, from the patient side or from the consumer side in general speaking. Trust on the doctor, trust on the diagnosis process, even medicines when they're delivered, are they original, are they good, etc. Do I have a cheaper alternative? Is there an exploitation going on? There's a lot of doubts and anxiety on the patient side. Whether you can do a video call between two people is not the problem statement for healthcare, right? It is basically who are those two people on the either side of this, right? So this doctor has to be reputed. I can trust this doctor if I can. If I need to, I can visit this doctor also in person. And, uh, and the doctor also should have a trust that I can take care of this person over a long period of time in general for towards better health, not just episodic, somebody coming in and going, I don't even know whether I'll see this person again kind of a situation. So I think telemedicine just solved as a marketplace problem of connecting suppliers and consumers or as just a video tool between two people is not going to work or, or did not work. I more or less put all of that under kind of a 1.0 in a cliched way, that statement is in 1.0. I think the 2.0 has to be really more about built on top of existing trust relationships that are already existing, brand value of the providers, etc. And it has to be way more local for people to be able to visit also in person. So it has to be an Omnicare kind of a model. That's at least our hypothesis what we have seen
1: so put it differently, it is not something where it is a commodity or where the cost is the high order consideration. What you're saying is that the stakes are fairly high when you're looking after your own health care. And you really are looking first and foremost for competence and trust on the physician who's actually providing you advice.
0: Absolutely. In fact, um, from a cost and uh, ability to pay or willingness to pay is uh, much higher when it comes to your health in people. Because it's a very fundamental need of the people. It is not an impulse purchase. It is not something that uh, nice to have. So cost plays a very, very uh, less important uh, role here. But trust and quality play a very, very important role.
1: How do patients think about trust in this case as it relates to healthcare?
0: You would have seen in your own experience, right? I mean, you look for, for example, you would ask your colleagues, you would ask your community, saying that, you know, who's a good pediatrician around, if you're new to the city or something like this, right? Or uh, in, in a lot of places, still people are going to the same doctors who their parents went to, right? This is a very important insight that uh, we all have probably overlooked when we are building solutions as technologists. Mm-hmm. But I think this is very, very important. You need to have that endorsement. Not rating, actually endorsement of people that you trust are telling you that this is a good doctor or this is a good institution to go to and this is where you can deliver your baby if you're planning your baby and uh, this is where you can get out of your uh, you know, chronic uh, diabetes. This doctor has really good record of doing this and I think that's very, very important. That means it's results-based, it's outcomes-based. It's also the skin in the game that the institutions have put in saying that, you know, I'm there here to deliver care over a long period of time as an institution. So that brand value and that process maturity, that outcomes-based approach to healthcare is what really drives the trust for patients.
1: When you're thinking about trust and looking at what has not worked, so let's uh, roll back to when you started M-Fine. So what was the thesis behind that?
0: Yeah, the thesis was definitely the problem to solve is the access. I think that was very, very clear to us. And the way to solve is that it has to be a network based on trust that can instill trust in the people of longevity of outcomes based treatments and accountability in a general marketplace to establish accountability is extremely hard. What we have done is instead we said that uh, the hospitals in the country are growing and they're putting in a lot of, let's say, maturity into processes a lot of effort into building a brand value, a lot of effort into solving real problems of people in uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people and building that uh, kind of competence in a very institutionalized, professional way. So uh, I think we should leverage that was the first hypothesis. And so we went with the hospitals as our provider partners rather than going with the individual doctors. That really was a fundamentally different approach what we've seen in the market, not for the heck of it, but also for the point of view that, you know, if trust is the real basis of healthcare transactions, this is the way to get the maximum trust. There are institutions of legacy, there are institutions of longevity, process maturity, and that's what will drive the trust. That's why Pulse this
1: So just take us through an example, perhaps to clarify. So what would be user experience on MFINE for if I'm a patient, I want to, I want to actually get uh, something looked at?
0: Yeah, MFINE for a patient is a... Virtual hospital, right? It's a very large hospital on the cloud, if you like. So just like any other hospital you get in, you always find a doctor waiting to see you. It's an on-demand system, unlike uh, any other appointment system kind of stuff. So... You get in and uh, the kind of doctor that would be available for you immediately to consult with are all from reputed institutions. You can select depending on distance from your place or depending on your own uh, word of mouth that you would have heard about. The doctors would be all from names like uh, Apollo, Cloud9, RxDX, Sunshine, Kims in Hyderabad. Um, These are the kind of uh, hospitals uh, from which these doctors are there. And as I said, they're all available to see you. And right away, you can uh, tell about your symptoms and then start the consultation with the doctor.
1: So what have you found in the process the last couple of years, you know, doing M-Fine, which... uh uh, which is somewhat non-obvious to the listener here.
0: First of all, when they look at the technology, they look at it as a toy. I mean, it's for simple problems, it can be solved. Okay, if I have a fever cold, I can go. Otherwise, I really have to visit. First of all, it's not true. That's the anyway the conviction we have and we built it. And second of all, when you take this general perception over a large population and, uh, you know, which is actually having a steep access problem, uh, you realize that this is not the real popular belief. The access problem is so steep, that uh, they don't worry about touch and feel and things like this, etc. At eight o'clock in the night, if you want to get to a doctor, you need to get to a doctor. The only alternative is emergency room where you get a uh, resident doctor. But if you want to get a top top specialist doctor, uh, there is uh, no option to say that, or the luxury of saying that. No, I will wait sometimes for you know for the touch and feel of the doctor, etc. We still get a lot of questions how people can really talk to doctors over a video, etc. But thousands of people are doing it every day on the platform. And this was very non-obvious initially. But now today, we also learned that across the spectrum of problems, when they have an access, they would use it and they would get benefit from it right? You know, we could not imagine or anybody could not imagine that we would do cardiology cases on the platform. We would do orthopedic cases on the platform. You said orthopedic, can you just expand on that? I mean, that seems, Yeah, that so, uh, yes, uh, absolutely. So, but, uh, you know, there are people with chronic back pains, there are people with, you know, issues in the knees, issues in the, you know, young, old, they come and they use the video, they use the images, Doctors are very creative. They send options of uh, images to choose from in terms of what kind of mm. postures they have, uh, pain, etc. So it's a very powerful medium of communication and uh, it simplifies access. So uh, everything else is taken care of. Both patient and the doctor are getting creative. Once a barrier of access is removed, they're really using it in the platform to the hilt.
1: So what happens if a doctor actually says that you need to come into the hospital, right? Because not all cases would uh, probably get resolved entirely virtually.
0: Absolutely. So that's also another advantage of having this hospital network and a very thought-through approach to what is the kind of choice we need to provide to the patient, right? So doctor can say, come and visit me after starting this treatment or come with some x-ray report or something like this. Usually we always present the doctors available in the locality in that order of the distance from you. So the patient also chooses the nearby doctor that gives him the comfort and trust so they can visit the, the same hospital, same doctor now in the physical OPD or patient department. And then the care continues, whether you start online, go to offline or start offline and go to online. The care continuum is there.
1: With all the records and everything else.
0: All the records are there, all the data is there. You know, we didn't talk about the technology, but a lot of technology work is going on behind to make it very easy for the doctor and the patient to have a deeper analysis of the problem and solve very quickly.
1: Well, uh, let's touch upon technology a bit then. So AI has been talked about a lot in healthcare when you look at uh, what's going on across the globe, the role of AI and how it's going to help or in some cases you know, replace some of the treatments which are otherwise uh, happening offline. What is your view and where it is uh, proceeding?
0: I think broadly, first big step, which is not very far off, is that we will have a very powerful, very knowledgeable, extremely capable machine that can do diagnosis, that can understand history of the patient in a very detailed way and uh, completely do differential diagnosis, have uh, treatment plans ready, can read X-ray reports or um, blood reports. And this is, I think, in my view, short-term. That is like next three to four years, and most of the work that doctors do in terms of data collection and uh, analysis is going to be done by the machine and presented. And today, uh, I would say um, to a large extent in some specialities and conditions, on m it's already happening, for example. Not to boast of M5, but I'm saying that this is just getting mainstream very fast right? Um, regular cases, basically the machine can at least diagnose and suggest that to the doctor. Healthcare in general, if you speak, we still believe that model that even in the long term, it's kind of an assistive technology. AI as an assistant is a way more effective way to combine accuracy, scalability of the machine and uh, intuition and creativity of the doctor. So that's the evolution we're also going towards. When you talk about trust, there's obviously no way you're going to trust a machine. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So that's also important that the machine is working in the background and the interaction is always between the humans. And uh, when um, the person is giving its symptoms, for example, on M-Fine, a person is giving his or her symptoms or uh, uploading reports, etc. machine is concluding a lot of things out of this, but telling all that as an assistant, as a very reliable, accurate assistant to the doctor. The doctor is taking the final call in the end.
1: It's fair to say that you are like uh, the machi- the AI in this particular case can help the doctor in both making a more accurate diagnosis, uh, right? And also probably increasing the speed of diagnosis perhaps? Uh,
0: absolutely. The speed is incredibly high and some of the very prolific doctors who are very comfortable with the technology, they are seeing three to four times more throughput or efficiency for them and without loss of accuracy and quality including the you know if you see the uh, satisfaction ratings etc of the customers uh, it's pretty high so doctors uh, love this only because the part of the uh, job that is more administrative documentation oriented or um, let's say requiring more oversight of long history longitudinal history of the patient etc all of this is done by machine way more accurately way more effortlessly and that's where doctor is saving a lot of time for his thinking for his communication a lot of treatment is also counseling uh, their doctors can really focus on just connecting with the patients talking to them we always say it and find that care is more than cure you need to have also focus on the care not just the cure of it doctors are able to see that uh, happening with the machine yeah.
1: let me ask you one final question we are almost out of time so what are some of the more emerging areas of health tech? So if there's a new entrepreneur who's uh, passionate about health tech, what are some of the areas you would say are uh, new and interesting emerging areas?
0: I think um, there are multiple uh, dimensions. I think um, around data and technology, there are multiple opportunities as well. Um, Things like, can we completely rethink or innovate around uh, insurance models? For lack of a better word, I'm calling it still insurance. Would it still be called insurance if it's a subscription? You know, I think health can be a, a subscription service, which people can get over the wire or at the center, wherever it's appropriate. And uh, they can manage their health rather than actually always depending on, uh, you know, once you get sick, uh, recovering from prevention, it's management, that's a big area, the insurance uh, kind of area. The other thing is really a lot of, you know, uh, devices and wearables are coming in, which makes... Health more understandable for individuals, more and more consumerized. Mm-hmm. Arrhythmia is not a esoteric uh, thing which only doctors will understand. You can monitor this on your watch now. Mm-hmm. You can be very cognizant of what's happening in with your emotions to your heart rate or you are exerting uh, too much on yourself and then your heart rate is you know changing things like this right so it's becoming more and more closer to the consumers uh, that's another area of application like integrating with the uh, devices and then creating some new ways of delivery of care these are definitely uh, some of the interesting areas that are coming up quantified health okay. yes absolutely yeah, yeah.
1: well uh, thank you for, for sharing your thoughts with us
0: thank you thank you very much Thank you so much for listening to this episode of prime venture partners podcast don't forget to subscribe to this show so that you can stay updated with great conversations like these you can share your feedback at our twitter handle at the rate prime vp underscore in or leave your review on apple podcast or wherever you listen to the show from